It's time for your daily LSU baseball update with Musso at the Box. Presented by New Orleans Flooring. Two locations, Metairie and Prairieville. Or go to nolaflooring.com. Now, Matt Musso. And welcome in for another edition of Musso at the Box. LSU goes through the Carbach Round Rock Classic 2-1, and one, but does capture the tournament championship off of run differential, defeating Kansas State 7-3 to three on Friday afternoon, losing 12-4 to four to Iowa on Saturday afternoon, and then bouncing back in grand fashion with a 16-4 victory over Sam Houston State to close out their 2-1 weekend, a 3-1 week overall now. They will stay in Texas, head down to Austin, and face the Longhorns on Tuesday. We will preview that game tomorrow. Of course, today we're going to go through the entire weekend, uh, give takeaways on each game, give takeaways as a whole, give you some honorees, tournament MVP, all-tournament team, things of that nature. And uh, what looked bleak Saturday turned into another pretty dominant, pretty solid week as a whole for LSU now six and one on the year and so far so good today still with three polls out the unanimous number one team in the country before we get into it all I want to remind you about New Orleans flooring at two locations the original in Metairie the newest location off airline highway in Prairieville or go to nolaflooring.com tell you all the time about their giant warehouse and over a million square feet of product that they have in-house for you well, they're looking to move that product. So now's the time. If you've been thinking about replacing flooring in your home or office or any space that you need to refloor, now's the time to get to New Orleans Flooring because they are offering discounts that are too good to not take advantage of. How about waterproof vinyl tile discounted as low as $1.79 per square foot? Yeah, you heard that right. $1.79 per square foot. Got to clear that warehouse space. Got to expand the showroom. They are growing fast at New Orleans Flooring. So get into one of the two locations. Check out our guys, Terrell Thompson, Big Sean, friendly sales team. They're going to take care of every single one of your needs. It's New Orleans Flooring, two locations, Metairie and Prairieville, nolaflooring.com. New Orleans Flooring, buy where the pros buy. All right, let's dive in to the weekend LSU again. We said two and one. You know how we do it. We'll take it game by game, then give our overarching takeaways as a whole from the weekend. So let's start with LSU and Kansas State. It was a 7-3 victory for the Tigers. How did they get there? Well, it's a rocky first inning for Paul Skeens. 33 pitches it took for him to make it through. Now, started off with a single to center field. We told you about Kansas State's leadoff hitter. Guy was hitting 400 coming into that game. We told you about their running game. He would steal second base. Then you'd have a walk, and it just kind of spiraled, spiraled there on, um, spiraled from there. Excuse me, on Paul Skeens, Uh, a lot of deep counts. You had a a sacrifice fly that advanced the runner to third, uh, and then Cole Pepper would single driving him in. But Paul Skeens with runners at second and third, one out, the pitch count climbing, and a run already in would strike out the next two batters and then never look back. So it wasn't great to see Paul struggle kind of early, get 33 pitches. But when that happened, after he got out of the inning, tweeted, he yes, he threw 33 pitches, and that's a lot. He limited the damage, though, and threw 98 pitches in his first start. If you could get him to settle in, man, he could take you deep into this game, at least through five. 
He ends up getting you through six. It was an eight-pitch second inning to get him right back on track, and Paul Skeens was nails the rest of the way for LSU. Final line, six innings, two hits, one earned run, struck out 11, and threw 101 pitches. He has been phenomenal so far for LSU. It was great to see. That's something you can build on going forward. Yeah, you saw him just dominate Western Michigan, but you saw him taste adversity against Kansas State. It's not always going to go swimmingly for Paul Skeens in his first inning, especially when you get to SEC play. What you want out of your ace, what you want out of that Friday night guy, you want him to be able to right the ship. You want him to be able to look that adversity in the face and keep on going through and settle in and get you deep into a ball game. That's what he did. Tremendous learning experience there for Paul Skeens and a very important development for this LSU baseball team that he was able to get that done. Now LSU would get set to go take their hacks against Owen Bormel. We talked about him a lot. Lefty transfer from a Division three school and what a task he had. And look, he was up for that task through four and a third innings. He was very good through 68 pitches, did a great job keeping LSU off balance. Honestly, a, a guy that I thought would really struggle against the Tigers. He pitched flawlessly against arguably the best lineup in college baseball. Owen Borma, four and a third, the one earned run, struck out seven and didn't walk anybody. It's tough to hit left-handed pitching. It was even tougher on a day like Friday where the wind was just galing in all day. LSU hit about four different balls to the wall or the warning track that on a normal day, even in Round Rock, probably get out. So they did put good swings on him. It was just a great pitcher's day, and he executed and kept you off balance. Again, we mentioned the seven strikeouts. But the bottom of the second inning is when LSU broke through on him for one run. You led off with three straight singles. It was Trey Morgan, Jordan Thompson, and Brady Neal. Specifically loved the two singles by Morgan and Neal, both with two strikes, both left on left. And for Brady Neal, uh, guy just stays hot, and it drove in LSU's first run. Thought that was fantastic. So uh, Pete Hughes, the head coach at Kansas State, mentioned it was the plan to not let Owen Borma go through the lineup a third time, especially having to face Gavin Dugas, who had put together two very nice at-bats. They didn't want him to get a third. So that's when they went to Ty Rule. And we talked an awful lot about Ty Rule leading up to that game. He was one of their top relievers, led him in appearances last year. And LSU, He and he had a, a fantastic uh, long relief outing in uh, in the first game of the season for Kansas State, and LSU just took him to task. Two innings, they got him for six hits, six earned runs. They were able to really pull away late in that game, and that's that's how LSU is going to win a lot of ball games this year. They're going to score late when you get this lineup against a bullpen. It's going to be advantage LSU nine times out of ten, and that was the case. Uh, I really want to talk about the sixth and seventh inning here. In detail, that's when LSU scored the six runs off a rule. Uh, look, man, the top of the six, you had Cruz lead off with a single. White followed him with a single, so you had first and second. It was disappointing to see Jared Jones strike out in that situation. But then you had a balk that moved Cruz into second and third, and I think it really shook up Ty Rule. You'd have a wild pitch that would score Cruz and move White to third, and then Trey Morgan doesn't try to do too much. A runner at third, less than two outs. Puts the ball in place, RBI ground out, little fielder's choice, and Tommy White scores. And then the big blow came in the seventh inning. LSU puts up the four, but you get Joe Bear into pinch hit for Paxton Kling. 
So that's in your eight hole. He walks. Ben DePolk comes up in the nine hole, gets his first hit of the season, and you have eight and nine on base and flip the line up. And that is it's devastating when it happens to the opposing off the opposing pitcher against this LSU line. It's what we've talked about so much. The potential for production at the bottom of the order. And you saw it here and it led to a beginning. Dugas singled. That scored Joe Bear. Cruz singled. That scored Napolt. And then uh, Jared Jones would double deep to right center. It was a shot that he hit off of one knee, 400 feet through the wind, hit the wall on the fly. That cleared the bases, and you have two. You have a four spot on the board uh, for LSU. They never looked back. Thought Ty Floyd in relief the, the three innings was fantastic. Yes, he gave up the home run. You credit that kid for hitting the ball through the wind like he did. And you had the unearned run there in, in the ninth. Unfortunately, the airless streak came to an end. But it was meaningless. And uh, and Ty Floyd got LSU out of it. Struck out five and three. He was fantastic. Continues to be a workhorse for LSU out of the bullpen early in the season. All right. Let's talk about Saturday and the 12-4 loss to Iowa. And I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for LSU. It was ugly. They played their worst game of the year up, and, up to that point on Saturday. And... That's what happens when you do that, and especially when you do it against a team like Iowa. This is perhaps the most important thing to understand when looking at this game. And now that you've had a few days, I want everyone to understand, Iowa is good, okay? I I tried my best to get that point across on Friday when we previewed it. That is a team that should have been in the NCAA tournament last year, but got snubbed will be in the NCAA tournament this year, and if they beat Maryland, will win the Big Ten. They are going to compete for their conference. They are good. And when you look back, that's not going to be a loss that hurts LSU. What's troubling, or what many found troubling, is how badly LSU played, and they were bad. The at-bats were not competitive. They left 14 runners on base. They let pitcher the pitcher's off the hook time and time again, and your pitching faltered against a good lineup. You couldn't put guys away. You couldn't get them up and down in order. It took to the fifth inning to have a clean inning. We'll get to it. It was bad. Now, there's a lot of factors that went into why it was bad. Number one, you got put behind the eight ball early. The three-run first given up by Riley Cooper was a struggle, and Riley Cooper wasn't great. Riley Cooper's also in a role that that isn't his. Riley Cooper's not a starting pitcher. We've talked about that plenty. He's not, and he won't be long-term on this team. That's something to keep in mind when looking at that loss. He struggled to put guys away and struggled to get out of innings after getting the leadoff man out, which is a major indication that he didn't have his best stuff. Y'all, Riley Cooper gave up five two-strike hits in his three-plus innings. Out of the seven hits he gave up, five of them came with two strikes. Now, he did have five strikeouts as well, so occasionally he found that put-away pitch. It just wasn't consistent enough. First inning, ground out, ground out. A 2-2 count to Keaton Anthony, the best hitter on the team. He homers. It's a solo homer with two outs. Big deal. Well, Cooper didn't bounce back great. He walked the next guy on four pitches. 
Then you had an infield single that was overturned at first base. And then you had another single to center field, and you had another run come in. And then the mistakes defensively started. You had a, a, a steal of second with runners at first and third. Brady Neal threw, threw, the, threw down to second base. He threw. That's a freshman mistake. I, he probably won't make that again. But when he threw down to second base, your runner from third breaks and steals home and and scores. So you end up with three runs, three hits, no errors technically, but that's a the mental mistake there by, by Neal. And you're in a hole and you're going up against Brody Brecht. And LSU let him off the hook in the first inning, big time. They were able to load the bases and all of it uh, really, well, I'm sorry, Dugas walked, Joe Bear singled, and then Cruz walked. You have the bases loaded and nobody out. A chance to get right back in this game. And you just had three very poor bats from Jared Jones, Josh Pearson, and, and Tommy White. They were trying to do too much. And you had a pitcher on the ropes who was really struggling to find the zone. I mean, Dugas walked on four pitches. Braden Jobert's single came on a 3-1 count. Dylan Cruz walked on a full count. He wasn't... Sharp, Brody Brecht. And Jones struck out 1-2. Didn't even get to two balls. Pearson struck out 2-2. Didn't get to a three-ball count there. White struck out 1-2. They weren't patient enough. They didn't put together good at-bats. And you let him off the hook. And that inning right there really can sum up the entire ball game. LSU stranded a runner in scoring position the first three innings without scoring. And in the fourth, you came very close. It took a two-out single from Dylan Cruz to score two runs and, and get you on the board for the first time down, at that point, seven to nothing. You missed big opportunities early in that game, and everybody wants to know why. Well, I think there's a couple reasons why, and number one, Brody Brecht is one of them. No, he wasn't dominant, but that's part of the reason he was so difficult to hit, I do believe. That's a guy who throws 101 miles an hour at his high end, and the slider was pretty darn good for them. I mean, it was his best pitch. It wasn't, you know, locked down every time, but it was his most consistent pitch of the day. But the problem is he was effectively wild. The guy walked eight. He struck out six. It's hard to hit a guy when you don't know where the ball is going. It's one thing to be off balance with a pretty good slider and a guy who can turn it up to 101. It's another thing when he's all over the place and you really don't know where the ball's going. It's like in Bull Durham when Crash Davis has Nuke throw the ball, his, his fastball at the mascot. And then tells the hitter, I don't know where the next one's going. I mean, that that's a real thing. Hitting's hard in general. It's harder when that happens. Riley Cooper was in the zone for the most part. He just couldn't put hitters away. He was kind of in the zone a little too much against the good lineup. The other struggle, and again, I'm not making an excuse. It was this way for both teams. The strike zone was terrible. It was awful. John Brammer behind home plate was awful. So much so that Brody Brecht, who we just talked about, got ejected after he got pulled because the strike zone was so bad. And it was specifically the outside corner to a lefty, the inside corner to a righty. It was inconsistent all day long. Now, LSU didn't adjust. That's on them. Credit Iowa. Iowa adjusted to the same zone better than LSU, and that's why you can't necessarily use it as an excuse, but it does make hitting harder. Again, so much so that your opponent got thrown out of the game for arguing balls and strikes. 
So, you want to see them have better and more competitive at-bats, which they didn't have, especially in clutch situations early, and I think there was a major lack of patience, especially in that first inning. That's really the only one you need to talk about. You put a giant star next to that inning, it is that, that inning is the game in a nutshell for LSU. And you give credit to Iowa for adjusting better to the zone, for coming through in every situation really that they had a chance to and beating up on on LSU staff a little bit. The big bright spot, and it's not going to look like it because his line ended up rough, but it was Will Helmers. Will Helmers came in in the fifth inning, and it was the first time all day LSU got Iowa in order. He put up three zeros for you and kept you in a ball game seven to two where you're only down five and you had plenty of time going up against Iowa's bullpen but that's one of the rare times we, we said it against Kansas State when LSU gets to the bullpen nine times out of ten they're gonna have an advantage Jared Simpson was better we talked about him in the preview he's one of their top relievers a lefty it's hard to hit left-handed pitching it's why having multiple lefties is an advantage the issue there was they just left him in too long he got greedy tried to get four innings out of him and he gave up a four spot he was Running low there, man. But I'm not down on Will Helmers for that. Jay Johnson said it after the game. We were trying to conserve pitching. That's my fault. He, I think he said, I wish there was a coach ERA that you could charge the runs to me. Because Will pitched great and is definitely going to get an opportunity. That's what Jay Johnson said after the game. And I can't wait to see Helmers get that opportunity. He was really, really good. Uh, he was the only guy who stifled Iowa all day for LSU in that game. So, look, in a nutshell, it was their worst game of the year. I think when you look back on the season, it probably will still be their worst game of the year. Um, they were bad in the field. They were only charged with one error. They made technically three. Um, they didn't hit the four hits. It's not good. You left 14 runners on. Your pitching got hammered. It was ugly from start to finish. But it was one game. And the irony of the entire freakout by some over that is Iowa. Iowa got shut out 6 to nothing by Sam Houston State on Friday night and bounced back the next day and skunked the number one team in the country. And LSU had that same opportunity going into Sunday, and they did it. Let's move to the game against Sam Houston State, and it was all LSU from start to finish. They were dominant. It was the game you wanted to see them have. So LSU's the designated road team. After a cruise single in the first, Joe Bear hit a two-run homer, LSU off and running. You put up a five spot in the second to take a 7 to nothing lead. It started with a Jared Jones double down the line. Great to see him bounce back the way he did against Sam Houston State after the golden sombrero, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts against Iowa. Thompson would single him home. You're off and running. You had a cruise two RBI double down the line. You had another Braden Joe Bear home run to right. It was over. At that point, it was over. You got another shutout inning from Chase Shores. You put up three more in the third if you were LSU. And again, this was a Jared Jones homer that led it off. An absolute blast, 417 feet down the line in left field. The only question was, was it going to stay fair? It did. Dylan Cruz, a two RBI single to punctuate the inning. And LSU is now up 10 to nothing. You add two more to make it 12. You get the picture. LSU scored at least one run in the first seven innings of that ballgame. 16 runs on 23 hits. You got four runs on four hits the previous day. You bounced back with 16 on 23. That was fantastic offensive baseball by LSU. 
Dylan Cruz was five for six, named tournament MVP. Uh, Braden Jobert in the game as well was fantastic. Four out of six with five RBI. Cruz and Jobert drove in nine runs. Nine of your 16 runs. Jared Jones, two for four with the homer. Scored three times. He was fantastic. Jordan Thompson at the bottom of your order. There it is again. Production at the bottom of the order. Three for five out of the eight hole. They were awesome. But as great as they were, the biggest story was your pitching against Sam Houston State. It is that lineup. That lineup is deadly from Sam Houston State. Look what they did in the two games prior. They beat Iowa 6-0. That Iowa pitching staff that held you down, they put up six runs and shut them out in that ball game. They beat up Kansas State as well, winning that game 8-3. In two games leading to LSU, Sam Houston State had 14 runs on 31 hits. And it's coming off of a game where your pitchers against Iowa got beat up pretty good. You got two shutout from Chase Shores. That was great to see. Bryce Collins struggled. We'll get to that momentarily. That kind of let them into the game. Uh, Collins, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in our overarching thoughts. Uh, Garrett Edwards was awesome. Three and a third, only giving up the one run, and it was really inconsequential. Uh, solo homer to Contreras. We talked an awful lot about him. He's a preseason All-American consensus and the player of the year in that league. Griffin Herring with an inning in the third shutout, and Blake Money finished off the ninth for you uh, with a shutout frame with two strikeouts. You held that lineup that had 14 runs on 31 hits in two games to four runs on eight hits. It was an all-around fantastic bounce back for LSU. Now, one of the main questions is why'd they pull Chase Shores? Well, I'll let Jay Johnson tell you uh, in his own words, after the game on Sunday. Control the strike zone. And then um, what I noticed in this tournament, is they were unbelievable for the last two days at hitting mistakes. And we felt like we didn't want the lineup to get a look at anybody twice. Like that was the plan going in. There's, we had no reason to take uh, Chase out of the game. He did a nice job throwing strikes. But we weren't going to let them see anybody twice with the, the way they've swung the bat the last two days. And it lined up good. And you know, pretty good uh, performance by the staff throughout. So there you go. That was their plan. They weren't going to let anyone see. They weren't going to let the lineup see any of these pitchers twice. I would have loved to have seen Chase Shores get a little bit more of an extended outing, but I respect their plan. It worked, and they stuck to it, except for Garrett Edwards. Garrett Edwards is the only guy who got to go through the lineup more than once. We're going to talk about him specifically in overarching takeaways as well. Chase Shores, though, it was a really nice bounce-back effort. Two shutout innings. And I, I thought he pitched really well. The strikeout numbers aren't there yet for him. It takes some time as a freshman. It'll come. But I really liked what I saw from him in his in his second start. It was a lot less a uh, lot less stressful. I feel like uh, for him, mainly because also LSU just had such a a giant lead. I mean, he was up two to nothing when he took them out the first time up up 7 to nothing the second time he took the mound. So he had unbelievable run support, but I thought Chase threw the ball great, and I look forward to his next start uh, coming up this weekend when LSU has four games. So there you go. You go 2-1, and one, you have a tremendous bounce back, and before we get to individual takeaways, that is the main overarching takeaway, is the bounce back for LSU. Here is Jay Johnson after the game Sunday, kind of on the win, but also the weekend as a whole. Great performance uh, by our team, uh, and particularly these two guys. I mean, that's pretty uh, special nights. 
but to have two of them in the same game against a team of that caliber is great. That's a win that will be very beneficial to us uh, down the road. Uh, excited to win the tournament. Unlikely fashion, obviously, but uh, our best game of the year. And coming into tonight, we said we wanted to play our best game of the year today, and we did that. You followed up your worst game of the year with your best game of the year. The bounce back is the overall takeaway from the weekend. Look, you go to these events to be tested and learn about your team. You could easily sit at home on pre-conference and play Penn or Queens College like South Carolina is doing or Portland and Seattle U like Texas A&M is doing, although that Portland series didn't go great for them. You don't necessarily always learn about your team. Would you love to go to these things and learn every lesson in victory? Absolutely. But that doesn't always happen, and specifically in the game of baseball. And it didn't happen for LSU this weekend. And ultimately, that's a great thing. Yes, again, Saturday sucked. It was 1 of 56, and it was game 6 of the year. And it happened against a good team. But look at the way they responded against another good team that's going to compete for their league against a lineup that was tearing through this tournament. You didn't look like the number one team in the country on Friday. You looked every bit the number one team in the country on Sunday. And I know some people will say it's just Sam Houston State. And that's wrong for a couple reasons. It's wrong because that's a really good team. We've given you their offensive numbers. We previewed them here in a whole segment on Friday. And it's also wrong because I guarantee, I want to guarantee but I feel pretty good to say it's probably coming from a hypocritical place because someone who's going to say that is probably the same person saying, how could you lose 12 to 4 Saturday? It's just Iowa when that's a really darn good team too. So this team talked about it when we looked about when we looked at what their record could be. And I said, they're going to slip up. They have to learn how to win at the highest level. They, this team hasn't done that. The guys on this team, I should say, they haven't done that. So you're going to have to learn, and it's going to come in adversity. And the adversity was Saturday, and you couldn't have bounced back any better. You're 6-1. and one, You're ranked number one in the country still, and you got another great opportunity on Tuesday night against the Texas Longhorns. Fantastic weekend for LSU. Yes, even with an eight-run loss mixed in because it helped you learn about your team. It helped you grow as a group. That will be very beneficial for you when you face more adversity down the stretch do they have things to work on absolutely but right now that's a one-off right now that's a one-off and they're going to lose games again it's going to happen they're going to leave runners on base all of that will happen but I don't think you see too many more eight run losses for LSU so yeah I think that game stands as an outlier long-term for LSU. We were on the phone all summer long, like talking about things that needed to happen for him to be the best player he could be. I mean, you think about coming in here, like um, we won the Florida series last year because of him. We swept Vanderbilt because of him. And those are two programs that have passed LSU by. And so that was a big deal in us trying to build what we're trying to do for this year and in, in the future. And that's the talent he has. But now I think what you're seeing is a very complete player. Needed to become more athletic, did it. Needed to become a better outfielder, did it. Needed to have the at-bats between the special power and home runs. Those needed to get better, doing it. And so um, team guy, 
doing it. And so um, literally we've laid out hundreds of things, not hundreds, a lot of things, and he's just checking them off. And he's, he's one of the most dangerous hitters in the country right now. It's the development that you're seeing there that's such the giant takeaway. He's hit the ball better off of lefties this year too. And it's it's those at-bats in between the homers, in between the RBI, everything, that needed to get better. And you heard Jay Johnson there. He's doing it. Braden Joe Bear's hitting 450 right now uh, for this lineup. He's slugging over 1,000 early in the year and leading you in homers. He's been he's been awesome uh, for you so far. And it's it's great to see because that, that's a guy who has the bat to play professional baseball. And he's getting better in the outfield as well. He's more athletic. I mean, everything that Jay Johnson talked about in that cut stands out, and, and Braden Jobert should be commended for it. He's off to a great start right now to L for LSU here in 2023. Outside of the game on Saturday, I thought LSU played great defense as well. Uh, the error on Friday was committed by Gavin Guidry late in the game. The error, the one official error you got charged with on Saturday was committed by Riley Cooper, and you didn't commit any errors on Sunday. That means that of your starting players, like your starting nine, where you go around the horn that are normally in there, they're all still fielding 1,000. They maybe were mental errors, but they weren't charged in the book. You played very good defense again this weekend. Again, Saturday was not good. You had some mental errors that didn't go down in the book. But of your starters, they're all still fielding 1,000. And LSU uh, right now is fielding 991 on the season it's a fantastic turnaround i want to talk about this team offensively for a little bit because i i just it it blows my mind that 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 has been the the thing that people have nitpicked because lsu has played one bad offensive game out of seven one just one numbers don't always play well in a you know podcast radio format i understand that but i want to give you some of the offensive numbers for lsu so maybe you, you see it a, a little bit. Through seven games, LSU is hitting 328 as a team. They have scored 76 runs in seven games. They are averaging 10 runs a game, really 10.8. So if you want to round it up to 11, go ahead. As a team, they are slugging 547, so power is there. I thought they maybe would have a few more than 10 home runs by this point in the year, but they've had to play in some pretty tough hitting conditions so far. The one area, one area, that I want more out of is the corner outfield spot. And I'll tell you this too. I loved the lineup uh, with Morgan in the, in the outfield. I really did. I, I did. I'm sorry. It got, it got three of your best hitters into the lineup, which was the goal, which was the goal. I know Morgan ran into the wall. It's not serious. He never had to go to the hospital or anything. He was back in there on Sunday. It was fine. And it could just have easily have happened at first base or anywhere else. But what that lineup did is they got Trey Morgan, Jared Jones, and Tommy White all into the lineup at once. And it was your best nine that you could put out there this weekend. Because Paxton Kling, Josh Pearson, those guys are struggling with the bat right now. And you're not getting enough production out of the corner outfield spot offensively. They are more than capable. One of them, I think, eventually does take hold of that position. But if the name of the game right now is to get your best nine out there, Tommy White's part of that, and if he's only able to be DH, you roll with that lineup you saw on Friday and Sunday, and it worked out pretty well. 
And to the fielding aspect, they're fielding 991 still. Jared Jones played a pretty darn good first base. Great catch on Friday. He's more than capable over there at that position. I liked that lineup. I really did. And I think you see it going forward, especially until Tommy White can get back at third. And it, again, it gives you that production offensively in the outfield that you're lacking at the current moment. I also wonder if when Tommy White's able to play third and Trey Morgan goes back to first and Jared Jones goes back to DH, if you don't start seeing a guy like Josh Stevenson potentially getting an opportunity out there to see if, if, he, if he can stick. But I think that position is still very unsettled in a, in a more traditional LSU lineup. All right, pitching, and this will be the last thing we end on. But first, I want to remind you again about New Orleans flooring. NOLAflooring.com or get into one of their two locations, Metairie, just off Airline Highway in Prairieville. All about saving you money. We told you about the, the discounted waterproof vinyl tile earlier. Free in-home estimates. There's financing options available as well. 12-month, same as cash on select merchandise. You have a military first responder discount of up to 10%. Get into New Orleans flooring. Now is the time. It's your one-stop shop if you are installing or reflooring your home, office, workspace, wherever. New Orleans flooring is the spot. Terrell Thompson, Big Sean Richardson, friendly sales team. They're going to take care of every single one of your needs. It's New Orleans flooring. Buy where the pros buy. Overall thoughts on pitching. You've got some ERAs that are skewed right now because of one bad outing or that game, obviously, sun, uh, obviously Saturday, really hiked up the staff as a whole. Um, you need to figure out Saturday in the rotation. And I think you have a lot of good options to get there. And I think this week will be massive in doing so. Because Thatcher Hurd did not pitch this weekend. He will start tomorrow. I mean, that is... I feel like that's a foregone conclusion at this point. No, Jay has not announced it. No, Jay will not announce it. But I'd be, I'd be shocked if Thatcher Hurd isn't the starting pitcher on Tuesday against Texas. And after that, you play a four-game weekend. You're going to get a lot of different guys' opportunities to start. You'll probably see Riley Cooper get a start this weekend because you have four games. Again, it's not a long-term thing there. You have to figure out that spot. I think Thatcher Hurd's a great option if he can start coming along. So we'll talk a lot about that tomorrow. I think Ty Floyd has shown plenty, but maybe you want to keep him in the back end of the bullpen. I think Christian Little is a very capable option for LSU there too, but they have to get that squared away, and they will. Out of the bullpen, you need a little bit more from some veteran guys. You need more from Bryce Collins. The two outings that Bryce Collins has had this year have not been up to his standard at all. You look at last night, he walked four guys in an inning and a third. He didn't give up a hit. He did not give up a hit. He walked four guys out of eight that he faced. He's just got to find it again. And look, he's more than capable. More than capable. Last year, Bryce Collins had an ERA of three and a half in, in 32 innings. Like, you need that guy. You need that version of him. And I'm eager to see him get back out on the mound as soon as possible and try to continue to work through it. Same kind of for Sam Dutton because it looks like they're going to bring him in in tight spots. It looks like that's the role they want for him. You did it against uh, Western Michigan, and I thought he pitched great in that in that spot. But they did it again I, against Iowa, and it wasn't as good. I mean, he comes in into that game, uh, LSU's down four to nothing, and you have a leadoff guy on base, nobody out. They need you to get through that inning and not allowing runs, and you allow 
the inherited runner to score, and then two of your own. So just, it just wasn't a great day for him either. But that's the role they're going to put him in, at least early in the season, first out of the pin to kind of stop the bleeding. So you need a little bit more consistency uh, out of Sam Dutton, and I think he's more than capable. I really, really like the stuff. Three-pitch mix with a low 90s fastball. I mean, what's not to like? So uh, you've seen greatness out of him early in his career. You just have to get to it a little bit more consistently, especially if that's going to be the role they, they prefer to use him in. And uh, lastly, I think Garrett Edwards is just poised for a massive season. I, I really, really do. Um, I talked an awful lot about him in the preseason leading up to this, and his two outings so far have been awesome. Uh, and, and he's going to get a lot more opportunity. And I, I've told you I really like him at the back end of the bullpen. I love the, uh, the slider. has got a little bit more sharpness to it than it did the previous two years. He's coming off that little injury that nagged him all season last year, and you've seen the uptick in velocity. I think he's been fantastic. Uh, and, and really, again, was the only guy who got a second trip through the lineup against Sam Houston State and, and held him down. The, the solo homer was just inconsequential. He was dominant, and I can't wait to see him back out there again soon. I, I think Garrett Edwards is going to be potentially one of the unsung heroes of this LSU pitching staff this year, just extremely, extremely high on number 43. All right, that wraps us up for today on Musso at the Box. Thank you for listening. As always, get subscribed. Follow me on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow previewing a big one, LSU and Texas from Dish Falk. Marquee midweek matchup tomorrow on Musso at the Box.